This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of cardiac conditions from the sports section on orthobullets.com. Cardiac pathology is the most common cause of sudden death in young athletic patients. Common conditions include syncope, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, coronary artery disease, commotio cordis, and long QT syndrome. Now, let's talk about the presentation of cardiac conditions. Keep in mind that history and physical exam is the best screening tool to identify cardiovascular problems in high school athletes. Symptoms in these patients may include chest pain, palpitations, and or syncope. With respect to physical exam in pre-participation physicals, keep in mind that a diastolic murmur warrants further workup, as is a grade 2 out of 6 systolic murmur. Evaluation of cardiac conditions involves an EKG, and keep in mind that normal EKG findings in endurance athletes include ventricular hypertrophy, primary AV block, nonspecific STT wave changes in the lateral leads on echocardiogram, and a resting sinus bradycardia at 40 beats per minute. Again, normal EKG findings in endurance athletes include ventricular hypertrophy, primary AV block, nonspecific STT wave changes in the lateral leads on echocardiogram, and resting sinus bradycardia at 40 beats per minute. As far as syncope, a syncopal episode in a young athlete is a red flag for a serious cardiac condition. These patients require a medical evaluation prior to returning to athletic activity. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is the most common cause of cardiac sudden death in young athletic patients. As far as the presentation, symptoms may include dyspnea on exertion, chest pain, and a positive family history. Physical exam may reveal a grade 2 out of 6 systolic murmur. Keep in mind that a murmur that increases with standing or valsalva maneuver should raise concern for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. The increase in murmur is caused by a dynamic obstruction of blood outflow caused by an enlarged ventricle. Evaluation of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy involves an echocardiogram, which is the study of choice to make the diagnosis. The echocardiogram in these patients will show non-dilated, thickened left ventricular wall thickness compared to normal individuals of the same age. Treatment of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is basically to avoid vigorous exercise. Remember that hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is considered an absolute contraindication to vigorous exercise in sports. Moving on to coronary artery disease and abnormalities, this is the second most common cause of sudden cardiac death and is most common in older patients. As far as the pathophysiology of coronary artery disease, this is usually seen in older patients and risk factors include hypertension and family history. The left main coronary artery with abnormal origin is a risk because the artery can become compressed and lead to ischemia. As far as presentation of coronary artery disease, these patients are mostly asymptomatic, but when symptoms present, they are commonly chest pain, palpitations, and or syncope. As far as imaging for coronary artery disease, coronary angiography and MR angiography are gold standards. Treatment of coronary artery disease include lifestyle changes, medications, or surgery. Lifestyle changes include healthy eating, stress reduction, quitting smoking, and losing weight. Medications include beta blockers, aspirin, ACE inhibitors, nitroglycerin, and or calcium channel blockers. Surgery options include angioplasty and stenting, as well as coronary artery bypass grafting. Moving on to commotio cordis, this is a rare but catastrophic condition that is caused by blunt chest trauma. It results in cardiac ventricular fibrillation and is universally fatal unless immediate defibrillation is performed. Commotio cordis is most common in children and adolescents due to a high number of athletes in this population. 
Treatment of commotio cordis is CPR versus cardiac defibrillation, but the best method of treatment is cardiac defibrillation. With respect to prevention of commotio cordis, keep in mind that chest protectors in baseball and hockey have not yielded the protective results desired. Finally, let's talk about long QT syndrome, which is an abnormality of ventricular repolarization that can lead to ventricular tachycardia, torsade de pointe, and sudden cardiac death if not recognized and treated. Symptoms of long QT syndrome include syncope or near syncope with exercise, however, is oftentimes asymptomatic. Echocardiogram is the gold standard. As far as sports return to play in the setting of long QT syndrome, the determination is made based on genetic makeup, presentation, and the need for a pacemaker. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Automated external defibrillators, or AEDs, are primarily used for what cardiac rhythm? And the choices are 1. Atrial fibrillation, 2. Bradycardia, 3. Ventricular fibrillation, 4. Tachycardia, and 5. Asystole. So AEDs administer an electric countershock, and their use may increase survival rates by 90%. They are of little use in other cardiac arrhythmias other than ventricular fibrillation, making three the correct answer to this question. Moving on to the next question, a 20-year-old soccer player who collapsed after a goal kick reports weakness and nausea. He appears slightly confused. Examination reveals that he is not sweating. His skin is warm and dry. The outdoor temperature is 80 degrees Fahrenheit or 26.6 degrees Celsius with a relative humidity of 80%. Management should consist of, and the choices are 1, a drink of water, 2, a sports drink with electrolytes, 3, placement in the reverse Trendelenburg position in a shaded area, 4, immersion in a warm water bath, and 5, transportation to the emergency department. The correct answer to this question is 5, transportation to the emergency room in the setting of a heat stroke in a young athlete. So there is a spectrum of heat-related conditions. Heat cramps are the mildest form of heat illness. In heat exhaustion, cramps are associated with headache and weakness, and the skin is pale and moist. Treatment of heat cramps or heat exhaustion consists of removing and loosening excess clothing, applying ice to the axilla and groin, ingestion of cool water, and cool water sprays. The patient in the question stem demonstrates symptoms of heat stroke, which is a medical emergency. The core body temperature may be as high as 106 to 110 degrees Fahrenheit, or 41.1 to 43.3 degrees Celsius. In heat stroke, the patient may no longer be sweating, and the skin may be hot and red. The athlete is usually confused, weak, nauseated, and may have seizure activity. Central nervous system depression has been called the most important marker of heat stroke and progresses from confusion and bizarre behavior to collapse, delirium, and coma. Bizarre behavior is often the first sign of heat stroke. The patient needs to be treated and moved to a medical facility rapidly. During transfer, IV fluids and cooling of the athlete should be initiated. The best treatment of heat-related illness appears to be prevention with adequate hydration and monitoring of conditions like temperature and humidity with cancellation of competition when conditions do not comply with guidelines. Moving on to the next question, which of the following can be seen in the heart of a well-conditioned athlete? And the choices are 1. Decreased stroke volume, 2. Decreased cardiac output, 3. Decreased resting heart rate, 
4. Decreased ventricular wall thickness, and 5. Decreased vagal tone. So the well-conditioned heart of an athlete leads to increased ventricular wall thickness, which in turn increases the amount of blood ejected from the heart per given stroke, also known as stroke volume. The increased parasympathetic or vagal tone also leads to a lower, that is decreased, resting heart rate, making three the correct answer to this question. And just to review, cardiac output is equal to stroke volume times heart rate and is increased during exercise in a well-conditioned athlete. Moving on to the next question, which of the following is the most cost-effective method of screening for idiopathic hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? And the choices are one, obtaining a history of chest pain, syncope, or family history of early cardiac death during the initial physical examination, two, screening echocardiogram, three, screening EKGs, four, auscultation of the heart, and five, exercise stress test. So idiopathic hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is the leading cause of sudden cardiac death in athletes. The diagnosis is made with an echocardiogram. However, echocardiograms have not been shown to be a cost-effective screening tool for this condition. The most cost-effective method of screening for this condition includes obtaining a history of chest pain or syncope in the athlete or a family history of early cardiac death, making one the correct answer to this question. It has been estimated that it would cost over $500,000 to diagnose one case of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy if screening echocardiograms were used. Auscultation of the heart and heart sounds can be normal in an athlete at rest with this condition, and a stress test will not help diagnose idiopathic hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Moving on to the next question. A 13-year-old pitcher is hit in the left intercostal space by a line drive ball. He collapses is apneic and unresponsive, and his radial pulse is absent. What is the next step in management? And the choices are 1. Protect the airway and use smelling salts. 2. Protect the airway, move to the shade and place in reverse Trendelenburg. 3. Protect the airway and protect from seizure activity. 4. Protect the airway, start CPR and prepare to cardiovert. And 5. Protect the airway and move patient slowly to a spine board correct answer to this question is 4. Protect the airway, start CPR, and prepare to cardiovert. Sudden death in athletes without structural cardiac damage is referred to as commotio cordis. Remember that this is an emergency. The immediate priorities are protection of the airway, starting CPR, and early cardioversion as this patient has an arrhythmia. It is hypothesized to occur from apnea, vasovagal reflex, or ventricular arrhythmia as reported by Marone and Associates from the direct impact of the baseball during a vulnerable part of the cardiac rhythm. Janda and Associates reported that soft core baseballs may not differ from standard baseballs with regard to the risk of fatal chest impact injury while playing baseball. High survival rates are associated with rapid treatment. Moving on to the next question, what is the most common cause of sudden cardiac death in otherwise healthy 20 to 30 year old athletes? And the choices are 1. Coronary artery disease, 2. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, 3. Commotio cordis, 4. Ruptured aortic aneurysm, and 5. Rheumatic fever. So hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy, also known as HOCOM, is by far the most prevalent cause of sudden death in young, less than 35 year old healthy athletes. Greater than 50% of those with HOCOM have minimal to no symptoms. 
The classic murmur is one that is increased with Valsalva maneuver because it results in decreased venous return, which allows the asymmetrical septum to obstruct the left venous outflow, and this increases the flow murmur. A ruptured aorta is very uncommon and is generally associated with Marfan syndrome. Atherosclerotic coronary disease would be the most common cause in the older population that is greater than 35 years old. Commotio cordis, as we discussed in the last question, occurs from disrupted conduction as a result of a blow to the chest. It is more common in young children, with the classic examples of a karate punch to the chest or a little league batter hit in the chest by a pitch. Moving on to the next question. The use of EKG for routine pre-participation screening of youth athletes is not presently standard of care in the United States. With respect to this observation, all of the following statements are correct except... And the choices are 1. Echocardiography is used to confirm hypertrophic subaortic cardiomyopathy. 2. History and physical examination are considered more cost-effective than EKG for screening. 3. Athletes with a family history of sudden cardiac death should receive additional testing. 4. Electrocardiography will result in a large number of false positive results. And 5. Electrocardiography cannot detect potential causes for sudden cardiac death. So there are several reasons why EKG is not used for routine pre-participation screening in U.S. high school athletes, but it is not because it cannot detect some of the potential causes for sudden cardiac death, because it can. So that's why 5. Electrocardiography cannot detect potential causes for sudden cardiac death is a false statement, making it the correct answer in this accept question. So to quickly review, the major causes of sudden death in a young competitive athlete include hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, myocarditis, coronary abnormalities, and conduction abnormalities. The goal of pre-participation screening is to identify athletes who are at increased risk for cardiovascular events on the field. According to the American Heart Association, quote, a complete and careful personal and family history and physical examination designed to identify or raise suspicion of those cardiovascular lesions known to cause sudden death or disease progression in young athletes is the best available and most practical approach to screening populations of competitive sports participants regardless of age, end quote. Non-invasive testing such as electrocardiography, echocardiography, and stress tests can be used to detect some potential causes for sudden cardiac death. However, it is not recommended as a routine screening procedure in young athletes from a cost-benefit standpoint. O'Connor et al. noted that mass EKG testing would be a costly method to identify athletes with cardiac abnormalities, with 98.8% of the costs going to workup of false positives. They note that effectiveness of EKG screening could be improved by testing only those athletes who are at high risk for harboring cardiac abnormalities capable of causing sudden cardiac death, i.e. those with risk factors based on history or physical. Corrado et al. published a decrease in sudden death in one region of Italy where EKG was added to routine screening for all young athletes. However, when this was evaluated by Marone et al., sudden death was only decreased to the same level or slightly higher than that of a comparable U.S. population without the use of EKG screening. They felt that the data did not support a lower mortality with the routine EKG screening and added that up to 30% of these events likely would not be detected on routine EKG. Moving on to the next question. A 15-year-old asymptomatic male presents for a pre-participation high school physical for basketball. He has no personal or family history of asthma. 
He had two relatives who died while playing sports due to a medical problem that runs in his family. Which of the following tests would be most helpful in obtaining his diagnosis and preventing possible sudden death? And the choices are 1. Renal ultrasound, 2. Pulmonary function test, 3. Echocardiogram, 4. EKG, and 5. Cervical MRI. So the above clinical vignette is concerning for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and an echocardiogram is the most effective test to screen for this condition, making 3 the correct answer to this question. HCM is an autosomal dominant inherited trait and is a cause of sudden death during sporting activities for young athletes. Those with a family history of premature sudden death should be screened with echocardiogram to ensure they do not have the disease. Echocardiogram findings include thickened left ventricular wall thickness compared to normal individuals of the same age. Once diagnosed, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is an absolute contraindication to vigorous exercise and competitive sports. Sharma et al. showed differences in heart chamber sizes on echocardiograms performed on athletes and non-athletes. They concluded that hypertrophic cardiomyopathy should be considered strongly in any trained adolescent male athlete with a left ventricular wall thickness of greater than 12 millimeters and greater than 11 millimeters in females and a non-dilated left ventricle. Marone et al. found that a single negative echocardiogram may not definitively rule out HCM in adolescents. In their study, serial echocardiograms showed that left ventricular hypertrophy may develop or progress spontaneously in patients with the disease during childhood as they mature. Pelicia et al. showed that elite athletes without HCM also showed increased left ventricular cavity dimensions on echocardiogram. Without systolic dysfunction, this is likely physiologic cardiac conditioning. And moving on to the last question for this topic, an otherwise healthy 14-year-old male baseball pitcher goes into cardiac arrest after being struck in the chest by a batted ball. Commotio cordis is suspected. What is the most appropriate treatment? And the choices are 1. IV epinephrine, 2. Placement of a large-gauge needle into the pericardial sac, 3. Immediate cardiac defibrillation, 4. Rescue breathing, and 5. Fluid bolus. So commotio cordis is a rare condition with high mortality that arises after blunt chest trauma. It results in a cardiac arrhythmia, often ventricular fibrillation. Treatment consists of immediate cardiac defibrillation. Link et al. found that in a swine model, defibrillation within one minute resulted in a 100% survival rate. Waiting over four minutes to defibrillate resulted in a 0% survival rate unless CPR was instituted to bridge the time to defibrillation in which case the survival rate increased to 65%. The precordial chest thump is controversial and has not yielded compelling and consistent results. That's all for this review about cardiac conditions. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs>